Hello. And hi. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings, the collaboratively written historical romance novel podcast. That's Ashton. Hello. That's Andrew. And Ashton is going to be reading a chapter that I have just written earlier this evening. She has never read it because that's the way this podcast goes. We read it. We jest about the writing and the plot and everything that goes into the process of creation in which all of our devoted listeners are so invested. This is episode 26, also chapter 26. I'm not sure I said that. (laughs) And I really liked how we just skipped this plot summary last week. I think we got away from it. We didn't get any angry emails from listeners, right? Correct. We did, however, get an email from a Matilda Madison, we are working on reading. She sent us an ARC, which, dear listeners, I had to look up what that meant. But I'm sure you know your TLAs better than me. And it means what? Advanced reading copy. And it's an advanced reading copy. So be on the lookout in the next, I don't know, couple of weeks for us to have read that. And Matilda, if you're listening, thanks very much for the email. We look forward to reviewing it and talking about your book. All right. I hope that you still um, (laughs) think that we have any authority to comment on literature whatsoever after hearing this fresh, rough draft of a novel chapter. You're making me nervous. Actually, I don't think this one's as gnarly as my last couple. Oh, good. I mean, you know, hopefully it's enjoyable and stuff. But I, I, I turned down the gnarly dial a little bit and. I think it might be time to launch in. Well, we should tell the people where to find this. I mean, I know we're not synopsizing. Is that a word? Yeah. Synopsizing as much anymore, but we should tell them where to locate us on the interwebs. We are at romanticunderpinnings.com. You can email us at hello at romanticunderpinnings.com. We are also on Twitter at romunderpod. Yep. And on Instagram, we are just good old-fashioned romantic underpinnings right Yeah, i mean it's at romantic underpinnings but yes yeah you nailed it you hit that nail in the coffin and it's now plum all right well let's i mean normally you say let's put this to bed at the end of an episode oh but we're, so we're done well no we're laying it to rest i've put good the night. nail in the thank coffin. you and good night detroit <laughs> right isn't that a thing why is it always Detroit? Do you know? Uh, I don't really know what you're referring to. Oh, I thought that was like a saying that sometimes comedians use. Like, thank you and good night. Detroit. Like, thank you, Detroit. I mean, I feel like there's some extremely prominent cultural reference that I don't know well enough uh, and that you are mangling. So yeah, together, that's probably true. It's trouble. but I mangle almost every reference I take part in. So Yeah, and I'm of no use here. That said, I'm used to writing chapters. You're trying to get me to commence reading. Did you tell the people which chapter we're on? Yes. Let's explore language, romance, and resilience. And welcome to Romantic Underpinnings. Oh, did I miss that? Was I not listening? I think you were looking up that email address. Oh, sorry. Or no, that person. I wanted to give her them, shoot, them, correct, shouts, outs. All right. Okay. Chapter 26. 
eight deep dones. Dones? D O N E S? Tones. <laughs> eight deep dones. Mm. Emanated from the Notre Dame bell tower. Agatha stood there in her fetching pantaloons. Fetching, really? Oh, yeah. Swinging a cane that a previous customer had abandoned at Madame Eloise's house. Is that how you say that with a French accent? I mean, it's as good as either of us are able to get without actually having, like, spoken French for many years. Or never, in my case. Fair enough. She had also gotten a new feathered hat to replace the one that hadn't made it to Paris with her. Either Eloise's customers were very forgetful... Or the house was running a profitable side business, fleecing its distracted customers. I think the latter. She tapped the cane against the cobblestones in the square, swung it around nonchalantly for a while, and then resumed tapping. Where was Anthony? She would assume that he'd be there half an hour early with or without his men. Why did she assume that? Oh, because Anthony would have wanted to... Like, not miss her, basically. Because, okay. basically, like, this was their big chance to meet. And if they didn't make this appointment, then they don't know where the hell each other are. Got it. They don't have phones? Not yet. <laughs> you drop a pen. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made this whole chapter a lot different. <laughs> Spoiler Uh-oh. alert. Oh, no, it's going to be like a Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> Wait. I just feel like that whole thing, if like all six of them or how many there are in that cast mm-hmm. of the like the main players would have just like mm-hmm. ended up in the same clearing all at the same time, it would have easily oh. dissolved the entire plot. I mean, speaking of cultural references, I love that you went there because most people just talk about how Seinfeld would be so different if the characters had cell phones and you went oh, all the way yeah. back to A Midsummer Night's Dream. So well, I appreciate that. You know, we are going to see As You Like It tomorrow. As You Like It. As you like it. As you like it tomorrow. So, sh- I well, and I also just finished reading that Shakespeare book. Like, Shakespeare is permeating everything I'm doing right now. You read a Shakespeare book? No, the one If We Were Villains I told you to read that's, like, focused on the seven drama students who are at this elite oh. college. They only do Shakespeare. That's right. And a lot of, like, their speaking to each other is Shakespeare quotes because they've studied so much of his oeuvre. Did I say that right? Yeah. That, like, they use it in their everyday... Like, they've bastardized Shakespeare, and they use it to talk to each other, which is one of the reasons I think you're really going to like it. I am really going to like it. I wouldn't necessarily call that bastardization. But I mean, like, they've taken their, like, quotes from plays, and they've, like, made them appropriate to whatever they're discussing and changed, like, you know, pronouns, maybe, or tense. But, like, it's the, that's the bastardizing, like, the, I mean, maybe not bastardization, then maybe just, like sort of works i mean it doesn't like i don't think it, it bastardization has a bit of a negative connotation right no All i didn't really mean it like that cool uh, anyway but being, i mean like they just like yeah. co-opt it and use it in like they're talking i mean that sounds like a consummation devoutly to be wished i'm into it <sighs> anyway oh the name of that book is if we were villains and it's by ml rio i think for those of you, it's a very good audiobook if you're interested. I mean, um, you said literally none of that into the microphone. Sorry. it's I was looking it up on my phone because I want to give people the correct author's name. Um, it's, it is called If We Were Villains, and it is by... Uh, 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 
ML Rio, I was right. So if you, you know, like Shakespeare and sort of creeping unsolved cases like a Tana French style situation, you will like this. Um, and the audiobook is good. I'm ready. Okay. <clears throat> the street vendors were packing up their wares and the sun sank below the tops of the surrounding buildings. Agatha started to feel cold and walked around the perimeter of the square. She told herself that it was just to warm up. None of the faces she passed in her increasingly rapid route turned out to be Anthony's. Nightfall didn't clear out central Paris the way it did London, and Agatha wondered whether all these people had homes to go to or whether they were just staying out to make her search feel more difficult. She had spent the only few coins in her pocket on the special student's rate at Madame Heloise's establishment. I thought you said it was Eloise. It is Eloise. Oh, you a silent H at the end. There the was an end? H. Oh, sorry, at the beginning. No, there wasn't. There was. No. Really? 1,000% not an really? H in the first two. Oh. And then there is one. I guess I was spelling it phonetically in the beginning. No, it's totally pronounced as Eloise, but there's totally an H. Well, I mean, that makes because Heloise then or whatever, right? Or is it a play on hell? What? No, it's just a name and basically all H's in French are silent. How do you say hell in French? I mean, uh, enfer, spelled I-N-F-E-R. But it's not, yeah, it's not even close to the same word. Yes. Okay. She had been correct about earning the royal treatment once she got her foot in the door, but the two rooms she'd scored for the night wouldn't be on offer indefinitely, and she didn't want to return to Madame Eloise without Anthony and the men. Agatha had taken the liberty of promising Eloise 5% of their profits, and Eloise had been discreet enough to ask what they'd be profiting on. I meant not to ask what they'd been profiting on. That's sort of semantically relevant. I was wondering about that. I was like, huh. Why would she want to know unless she was asking discreetly, which could also work. And then deciding whatever. She didn't care if it was illegal. (laughs) But worse than disappointing her new friend, Agatha was at a loss to figure out how she would ever track down Anthony if he didn't show up tonight. Her desperation must have been evident. A vendor hopped off his cart and handed Agatha a small loaf of bread. She hadn't eaten since morning and scarfed down the kind offering in no time. But she didn't feel the least bit sated. Also, oh man, I want some French bread. Like right now. What? Oh, I was just checking what time it is. It's way too late to be going out eating a baguette or a banh mi or something. But man, that sounds good. Banh mi. I know we're having for lunch tomorrow. Anyway. I'm not eating bread tomorrow, which is not relevant to this podcast. But yeah. Oh, goodness. <laughs> messes up my backup plan as well. Anyway, I'll we we'll, we'll, I'm sure they have other stuff. We can go there. Dear listeners, wherever it is. Our lunch plan you can rest assured that we will not starve to <laughs> death we before will, the next episode. Even if we did miss lunch, I think it would be a benefit to both of us probably. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. <clears throat> the mighty bells struck 9 and it seemed just a moment later they they struck 10. Did they I thought it was what time were they supposed to meet? I thought it was like 6. It was eight, so it eight? was like... How, where yeah. did you get eight? I thought that's what I said in um, oh, you my said, chapter. Okay, I definitely didn't say anything about a time. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you didn't... I don't think you overrode that either. It wasn't one of no, the... No, no, I didn't. 
changes I introduced and and dutifully followed along with from your chapter. Um, my concern, though, is I don't really know at what time in the evening they stop doing the bells on every single hour. Oh, it goes all night, I believe. Really? So mm-hmm. it'll even go like one, two in the morning? It'll yeah, like, I believe bong. so. As for my impression, yeah, because they have, well, I don't know about Paris specifically, but any bigger churches or monasteries or whatever have, especially during like Catholic seasons that are more like not, there's one called mm, normal season or something or like regular season, which is like basically the summertime until you get to the playoffs. (laughs) yeah yeah regular season no it is something like that though it's like the priest wears green and it's just like the the off time Mm -hmm. because then before you get to like thanksgiving then it starts the whole like holiday thing and that goes all the way to easter thanksgiving yeah because it's they do services for being thankful and like that kicks off the in american churches or catholic yeah but I don't think all no, Catholic yeah, sorry, churches sorry. would have that. But they do do so. It does start in November. I think it starts with All Saints. That's more accurate. Ah. Like once you hit November, and there's also like other sacraments that are like the the King's Blood Day or what. Like there are older like pagany slash Saints days that are not part mm-hmm. of the normal season thing. Uh huh. And then you have, you know, Lent and Advent and all that stuff. I still don't know exactly what this has to do with the bell schedule. So, if there's a monastery or a, what's the, a convent around, they would say mass on the hour, every hour or whatever. Like, someone has to say mass at 2 a.m. That's, like, their time. They get scheduled, and someone has to sit with the Eucharist. Um, It's, like, in witness or whatever all the time oh my goodness so yeah i mean it's sort of similar to like a complaint thing like late at night but that was sort of after this i think yeah i always thought that like the sort of like day in catholicism sort of ended around 10 and then started around five or something like i that. don't think so i think if they if you'd have an order of monks or nuns or whatever they'd be doing something every hour but i could be wrong but I still think the bell would go every hour. All right. Well, season one of Romantic Underpinnings <laughs> is us collaboratively writing a romance novel. <laughs> season two, we are going to go undercover. I will t- uh, assume holy orders, I think might be the phrase, and become a monk. And Ashton will become a nun. And then we'll do that for a year and then report back in the form of a documentary podcast. Um, for being a nun, it takes way longer than a year. I think like yeah. way long. No, I think being a monk too, but I'll I'll short circuit the process by being really charming and knowing a lot about um fifteenth uh, and sixteenth century Italian art. I'm pretty sure that would get me into you know some monastery real quick without having to actually undergo all the years and years and years of education one needs to actually do. Not to mention getting baptized, which I have not been. But anyway, that's a technicality. More I confirmed. Almost, um. As, like, an 11, 12-year-old, they had nuns and priests and stuff come talk to us to, like, you know, talk about being nuns and priests. And I was seriously considering it for, like, three months of being an 11-year-old. And then you decided you wanted none of it? (laughs) 
Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. <clears throat> uh, okay. The heat of the summer day had drained from the air completely, and Agatha's feet hurt from walking around on the uneven cobbles. The general air of commerce had also cooled, and bustling merchants and customers had been replaced by furtive figures who stuck to the shadows. Wow, that line, that sentence had great, um... Alliteration? Uh, yes. Wow. woof Okay. She decided to walk back to Madame Eloise's house with its fireplaces in every room and thick velvet wall hangings that kept in the heat. She felt much less less confident than the last time she went off without Anthony, but if fate had been so capricious, right? Capricious? Capricious. I don't that? think it matters, like, particularly. I say capricious, but I am not an authority. To throw them together in the first place, she figured that it must be possible to meet him again, even in this strange and crowded city. Seems like a bad, um, like, way to go about it, but okay. Well, she didn't <clears throat> want to stay out by herself all night. That's fair. She didn't notice the English sign. Keep reading. <laughs> On the way back to Madame mm. <laughs> Eloise's establishment, she caught a tower sign in English. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Barely visible in the light from a lantern hanging outside. She wasn't sure why <laughs> an establishment called the Donkey's Tale would exist in Paris, but she had an inkling that such a place would draw the rest of the crew and perhaps even Anthony. She tentatively opened the door and immediately heard a gale of Jack's laughter coming from a table in the corner. Empty mugs, full bo- mugs, empty bottles, and playing cards festooned the table. Sounds like a raucous Saturday night. Everyone was there, including the loathed Dunley, with the notable exception of Anthony. Lobo must have heard her stomping in their direction. He got up and gave Agatha a theatrical bow. What have you ruffians done with Anthony? She yelled. Keep it down, Agatha, said Lobo in his most oily voice. Did I sound oily? You did. Oh, good. We're in enemy territory, and you mustn't be heard speaking English so loud. Months mustn't they? Aren't they all just being loud and obnoxious? Well, he's he's being a dick right now. Uh, okay. Subtext. Got though. it. Got it. Agatha looks around the tavern. A giant Saint George's cross, spelled G E R O G E. G E O. Wait, how is it spelled? G E R O G E. Garog. Garog is his cross. <laughs> Too bad I knew what you meant, otherwise I would have mispronounced it. That's mm. the one with the... I thought it was St. Andrew's Cross. That's Scotland. Oh, fuck. Um, St. Andrew is all about Scotland, which is uh, why I have such a great Scottish oh, accent. Oh, God. So what is St. George? What colors? It's uh, just a red cross on a white background. Okay. What's the Scottish one? It is uh, a white diagonal cross on a blue background, which is why the Great British flag has is basically both of them superimposed on each other to be like the really famous flag we know. I did not know that that's what the Union Jack was. Took up an entire wall and the barman was currently engaged in a loud argument with a patron over an unpaid bill. In English, naturally. A sign over the bar read, we don't care where you come from as long as you're English. Well, that's a whole bunch of Sassanox. <laughs> right? Actually, that's just Outlander. Huh. Anyway, Agatha gestured around wildly at a loss for words. Lobo's eyes moved around without seeming to settle on anything, but he gave a faint nod. 
To what do we owe the pleasure of your company, miss? Anthony is over two hours late. He was supposed to meet me in the square outside Notre, Notre Dame. <sighs> Notre Dame this evening. Have you seen him? I have news for him and lodgings for all of you. Lobo shrugged. He came here this afternoon and told us to wait while he found a bathhouse. He never came back. I always thought that his fixation on hygiene would land him in trouble. None of the other men bother too much with it, and here we are, safe and warm. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Agatha trembled. Really? She's trembling because of that? Well, she's trembling because now she knows that Anthony is totally missing, and no one knows where he I is. I see. Okay. <clears throat> so he's been gone all day, and you haven't looked for him? Did he tell you that I would be waiting? I he did, but I figured that he would meet you out there in the streets, and he told us to sit tight anyway. The establishment may still have some eel pies on their hands, if you're hungry. The bread that Agatha had scarfed down felt like a lead weight in her stomach, and she couldn't fathom the prospect of eating anything else. What were you going to do if I didn't arrive? Just stay at the table all night? They're going to throw you all out on your ears eventually. We figured that our captain, or Anthony, as you call him, would be back sometime before we drank the place dry. Lobo looked back at the table and saw a couple of the men beginning to nod off. This may have been a slight miscalculation. Anthony loves his bathhouses, but he isn't usually so diligent that he spends 10 hours scrubbing. Agatha couldn't stand how Lyconic... Lyconic. Lyconic? Lyconic, damn it. Lobo was being about their missing captain, but she knew that nothing would improve if the men ended up wandering aimlessly on the streets after dark. She took a deep breath. I have a plan, Lobo, and I might need your help to organize it. We need to keep one man waiting here whenever the tavern is open, with enough money not to get kicked out for vagrancy, but not enough to get as drunk as you fellows have gotten tonight. But as soon as this bar closes tonight, we should go. We should all go to the rooms I've secured for us at Madame Eloise's establishment. We can stay there while we make our plan and gather our information. Lobo cracked a rare smile. I see that Peter de Haucht has made some excellent contacts in Paris. If we knew that we were going to a body house tonight, we may not have drank quite as much. <laughs> Agatha already regretted the arrangement. I spoke to Madame Eloise, and you men aren't to sample the wares, at least not until we've completed our mission. Madame Eloise has seen men get distracted and lose track of their goals before. It usual works out for her, but not in this arrangement I've made. Darn. <laughs> Lobo narrowed his eyes. Making arrangements, I see. Well, we don't have any other options. Join us for a drink and we'll head that way again when the tavern closes. I can keep you from losing us again. I can try to keep you from losing us again. After another couple of hours with no sign of Anthony, Agatha found herself back on the street, this time surrounded by the crew. Madam Eloise, that H is really fucking with me like I wish you hadn't done that, wrinkled her nose at the strong smell of alcohol that assailed her when the men bundled into the house. Agatha gave her a rueful shake of the head and led them up a narrow staircase to the two rooms. Lobo and Charlie took one and Jack and Dunley took the other. Lobo invited Agatha to sleep on the chaise lounge in his room, but Agatha demurred. She needed to go find Anthony. She borrowed it. Wait, did they leave someone at the tavern or no? No, the tavern closed. So they yeah, have but to I thought they were leaving someone, someone outside all night. 
No, no, they're leaving them when the tavern's open. Oh, I was under the impression. We're going to have to fix that. I thought you meant someone was going to like sleep in the doorway all night in case he showed up. Okay, I mean, you're perfectly welcome to think that from what I wrote, but... I'm just saying I think it needs to be slightly more clear. Um... Because I, that's what I thought they were like going to leave Dunley there or whatever. Okay. Anyway, it was, it would have been a much better idea to just leave someone outside all night. And I apologize profusely to Agatha that I did not give her enough credit for being able to think that up. So we should change that regardless. Um, okay. She needed to go find Anthony. She borrowed an overcoat from Dunley and walked back out onto the street. Anthony was still out there somewhere and she had to find him. She didn't know where to start, but she knew she wouldn't sleep a wink tonight anyway. Madame Eloise was tidying up the front desk and preparing to retire when Agatha came back down the stairs. Where would you find a man in Paris? asked Agatha. I usually just check upstairs, shrugged Madame Eloise. None of the men you'll find out there this time of night will prove good company, and I'm surprised you're seeking company at all after what you and the girls got up to this afternoon. Agatha blushed slightly. I don't need just any man. My captain is missing. Who needs a captain? asked Madame Eloise. Deciding to take a different tact, Agatha said, he's also my lover. Your lover? Madame Eloise gasped. Why didn't you say so? You won't find a truer romantic than a brothel keeper. Yeah. If you give me a name and description, my girls will do their absolute best to reunite the two of you, although a couple of the girls may prove a bit jealous. I appreciate the author, Eloise, but he might have been taken by the in by the authorities. Madame Eloise rolled her eyes. The authorities are our best customers. We'll find him. Are you still going out in that ridiculous coat? Agatha reached for the door. Yes, thank you for your help, but I feel... But I have to feel like I'm doing something. I'll be back. And that is the end of the chapter. Yeah, Agatha really did an about face there, too, because at first she's, like, decided to go back to give up on finding Anthony at night and going back to Madame Eloise's. But then I think she was freaked out when she found the rest of the crew and Anthony was still missing and they didn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I just completely forgot that part and totally messed up her whole motivation and just sent her back out. But anyway, that's the end of the chapter, everyone. That is the end of the chapter. And now you get to write what has befallen Anthony. What has detained him from his crew, from his heroine, from everybody? Possibly write a reunion, possibly just write a madcap adventure, sort of like the great Scorsese movie After Hours. Of course, I know exactly what that movie is. I've also seen it. I had faith in you. I haven't seen it. I was being sarcastic. So was I. See, I'm so good at it. Oh, so you don't have faith in me. Not to have seen a random sort of like offbeat uh, comedy from the early to mid 80s. Mm, Well, that's fair. Is there anything else we want to wrap up in? Um, With? I don't think so. Unless you have anything else to add. I think we covered it, right? I will say... I cannot wait to see what you come up with next week in another brand new episode. Languidly yours.